Ross back with us, and uh, he's, you're heading back tomorrow or later today? Later today. He's been off this week. As many of you know, he's pastoring at Keene Baptist Church, and uh, y'all may not know, and of course, this is going to be Mount Olive at Keene Baptist Church. You may not know, but he also has a girlfriend so uh, that he's met down there, and I may get in trouble for saying that because it is online today. But, uh, but anyway, we're just so happy. God's, God's good, and it's great to have uh, Brian with us today. We're going to read in just a moment out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You know, wasn't it a beautiful day today? Um, I sat out on the porch. I didn't think I'd be sitting out on the porch in June and need to go in and get a lightweight jacket, but uh, I just enjoyed all of the sights. One of the things that I enjoy this time of year is to see uh, the tiger lilies in the front corner of my yard. I think you could put me in a time capsule and bring me out, and if those things were in bloom, I would think Father's Day. And one thing I love about those lilies is how they wake up in the morning and open up. And I thought, boy, what a way if we as individuals toward God would do that, waking up, brighten up, open up toward God. You know, I love God's creation. As I was thinking about that this week, I began to go online and try to figure out how many various types of trees are there, and there are over 60,000 species of trees in the world. And each of these trees, as varied as each is, serves God's purpose. They're diverse in size and foliage, in beauty. They're diverse. Some uh, keep their leaves. Some do not. There's multifaceted unity in the midst of all of the diversity. Think of the purpose of trees. Think, as God created them, what they do for us. They produce oxygen. A full leafy tree will produce enough oxygen to keep 10 individuals going for one year. Trees clean the soil of pollutants. Trees control noise pollution, rather. Some of you may think, I wish I had more of them uh, around me. They slow water runoff. Trees give shade and cooling. They serve to break the vast winds like we've had the last few days and the not so vast winds and they fight soil erosion. Very simply put, trees serve us. God, as, var as varied as they are, the purpose of trees is really to serve the highest part of man's created order and that is mankind. And so this morning, we're continuing our study in 1 Corinthians. And even as God, a God of order, has orchestrated all of the uh, realm of species of trees to serve mankind in their diversity, so God desires to work through diverse people with diverse gifts to accomplish his purpose and his recreation in the church, and we're going to look at that today. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are different gifts but the same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. 
And there are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit, to another, uh, another a message of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the performing of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. One and the same Spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as he wills. Let's pray. Father, as we look at your word today, and as we think about all of your created order, we thank you that you're a God of variety. We thank you, Lord, that you're a God of purpose. And how, Lord, you take us as weak, sinful human beings. You save us. You bring us into the fellowship of the church. And even though we're not worthy, Lord, you bestow your spirit within us. And he manifests himself through various gifts that serve the church. I thank you for those gifts that you have implemented here to bless Concord Baptist Church here in Southern Buckingham County. And Lord, as we look to your word today, I pray your spirit might speak to us and how, Lord, you have equipped us not to serve ourselves, not to make a name for ourselves, but to glorify you and to build up others. Lord, use the gifts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I think I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, but we've been looking here in 1 Corinthians for the last few weeks, and as we have been looking at uh, these chapters in 1 Corinthians, we honestly can say the church at Corinth appeared to be a mess. There were so many problems. There were issues of what food to eat, what not to eat. There was the issue of those pushing themselves forward and eating food while others were being neglected. There was the, the threat of individualism as people were saying, I have my right to do this and to not do that. There were issues in the public assembly of people's comportment, how they conducted themselves. And that's just in these few chapters alone. And, and as we begin, Paul is beginning to transition into, and for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at how God works in the church. And he's talking about the various gifts. But before he addresses the issue of spiritual gifts and the working of members in the body, we see that he speaks to a problem that they had. They didn't understand. They were ignorant. They did not understand God's purpose in giving. They did not understand that it was God himself who endowed people to be able to serve. They didn't understand the freedom that they had and the purpose of that freedom, nor the power that would unify the church processes. And so that's why Paul begins in verse 1 as he talks to the church there. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, he's turning the page to speak about this specific issue. He says, I do not want you to be unaware. Ignorance is not bliss. God gifts the church, and what he's saying is, I don't want you to be ignorant as to how this works in the church. First, I want you to know who gives the gifts, and like the divine orchestrator, God is the one who sees the needs, who fills the seats, carries out 
of the ministries through us, those who receive the gifts, and we're going to see that every person who comes into the body has at least one spiritual gift. We're to see how they're to be valued, and, and one individual is not to be valued above another, and then what the purpose of these gifts is. But let's look, and really I want to look th at three things today. The one source of the gifts first, the variety of gifts and, and they're not an exhaustive list, just a representative list that we see here today. But then we're going to close by looking at the twofold purpose of gifts. Why does God so gift the church? What's his intent? Why, why do we even consider this subject? Well, look with me uh, first at verses 1 through 3. We see the one source of gifts and ministries. That is God himself. Paul did not want the church at Corinth, nor us, to be unaware, to be ignorant. And so the first person that he draws us to, to gain our bearings, to have a right understanding, is the Holy Spirit of God. In fact, nine times in these 11 verses alone, either Holy Spirit or Spirit is mentioned. This should tell us that this is the one source. We've been studying the Holy Spirit during the Sunday school hour. And it is important for us to understand the Holy Spirit is a person, not an it. The, 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 the scripture portrays the personality of the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, the three in one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We have studied in Sunday school how we cannot even come into the family of God apart from the drawing of God's Spirit. Even before we come to know Christ, the Spirit is working to draw us to Him. But we are also going to be looking, and we have been looking, about the importance of being filled with the Spirit. We're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit, but also in the midst of this doctrine of the Holy Spirit, we see that He enables and He gifts the church to carry out the needed functions in the church. And so not only would we say, and as we look today in Romans 8, 9, that the Christian life of an individual is life in the Spirit, but also church life is life in the Spirit. The church is to be led by the Spirit. The church is equipped by the Spirit. And He is the one that enables us to do what we're called to do. It is evident here that the church at Corinth was ignorant of this truth. In fact, it was probably this. They were thinking, my abilities are my abilities. And you can see where they would build themselves up. Maybe they were gifted orators. Maybe they were gifted singers. Maybe they had just outstanding knowledge, and they loved the fact that things could center around them. And so Paul is addressing it. And as we look at verse 2, he draws them back to their history, uh, lest they think a lot of themselves, he says in verse 2, we know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. What he's basically saying there is unless if you think you're something, if you really think you're something, just remember it wasn't so long ago that you were following around dumb idols. What was the change? The Spirit of God in and through their lives. You know, one of the true enemies of the church is this mindset. The people are something. The people are something. Boy, he can really speak. She can really sing. Boy, that person really knows how to open the word of God. And if we're not careful, 
things will center around people and that danger was there in Corinth. But when it all comes down to it, we really are not all that much. I recently read the autobiography of uh, Randy Travis, and if you're a country singer, especially in the 80s and 90s, you know Randy Travis. He was one of the most familiar voices in all of country music. In fact, he was given credit for returning country music to its roots. I love his voice, and he's no longer able to sing as a result of a stroke that he had. But you can go back and hear those videos, and I loved it. But I, I read the funny story that he told about himself um, when he was traveling and touring around the country. He was in a particular city, and, and there was a friend of his, an older friend, who was at an assisted living facility, and he had a couple of hours before the evening concert, and so Randy Travis determined he was going to go and visit his friend. When he got there, uh, there was a staff person who immediately recognized Travis, and after she allowed him to visit a couple of minutes with the friend, she said, Mr. Travis, I love you. I love your music. Would you just travel down the hall? I, I want you to meet some of the people. And her thought was, everybody's going to recognize me. And Travis said they made their way down the hall. They got in a room. It was a room full of people. And he said, the woman proudly put her arm around my shoulder and says, does anyone know who this is? said it was dead silence. <laughs> Finally, an elderly man walked up, and he said, I don't know who he is, but I'm sure if you go to the front desk, someone will tell you who he is. <laughs> Lest we think we're something, in the epitome of his notoriety, there were places he was not known. You know, as we think about that, we need to realize humbly our position in the church. It's not us. It's not us. Notice what he says in verse 3. I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord. He qualifies it except by the Holy Spirit. In, in fact, he said you can't, not only can you not serve God in the church, you cannot even know who God is apart from the drawing work of the Spirit of God. And so as we look at it here today, we see the truth that God is the source of the spiritual gift. No matter how you're gifted, no matter whether you think your gifts are great or small, it all is a reflection of him as he works in and through us. But we see secondly the multiple gifts in ministries. We see them in verses 4 through 6 and verses 8 through 10. In verses 4 through 6, he speaks of different First in verse 4, different gifts. Verse 5, different ministries. Verse 6, different activities. I mean, I'm thankful yesterday with the work crew. I can tell you, I didn't have the chainsaw in my hand. You wouldn't want a chainsaw. You talk about a Virginia massacre, it would be bad. All right, I don't deal with chainsaws, all right? I'll, I'll move the wheelbarrow, I'll load anything, but I, I'm hesitant. But we had men that were very comfortable doing that. And I'm thankful there were various ministries, there were various workings. It was sort of a picture of all of that. So as we think about that, that's the work in the church. There's some people, their job is to stand before people and speak and to study and prepare for it. Others to work with children, to work with youth. Others to work with the facilities. Others to work uh, with the eating. And, and the beautiful thing about it is God is a God of variety. He enjoys variety and he places variety in the church. That's why it's okay 
that you don't like chicken pot pie, or you do like chicken pot pie. I don't like it. But if you like it, that's not the criteria. God's a God of variety. Years ago, um, I'm grateful our our former youth minister, Chris Baer, is going to join us in homecoming. He was with us in the early 2000s. And I remember one day I went on a hospital visit, and I took Chris with me, and we visited this gentleman. And as we began to leave Richmond, we decided it was time to eat. I mean, I'm a Baptist preacher. You can tell I like to eat. So Chris said, Pastor Rick, where do you want to eat? I said, Golden Corral. (laughs) At that time, we had a Golden Corral on South Main Street. And he looked at me with a deadpan look. He said, come on, Rick. You can eat at Golden Corral anytime. Get a little variety. Get a little variety here. I'm thankful. God is a God who delights in variety. Young and old alike. Outgoing people and introverts. That word different is interesting in the Greek when it talks about difference, different gifts, different ministries, different workings. It's a combination of the prefix dia, which can mean through, but also can mean apart, and then the base word harayo, which means to take. So basically, distinct or different means to take apart. In the church, there were separate parts that intertwined and would come together. They didn't give up their individuality. They kept their individuality, but they worked for the corporate good. Have you ever noticed one of the signs of a cult is everybody begins to look alike and think alike and do alike? That, That should be a sign right there. That's not of God. And so as we look at it here, we see variety. Let me illustrate it to you this way, how the diversity comes in unity. Uh, Back when we were in school, we studied diphthongs, which is a $5 word of two letters that come together, like you would take E and I. And in those two letters in the word freight, uh, sort of don't maintain their individual sound, but together they come together and form uh, the the long A. But not every uh, word that has one vowel that follows another vowel follows that same rule. For instance, the word iota. You may say that person doesn't have an iota of understanding. That word iota, you have the I and the O, and they, like in the word freight, come uh, side by side, yet each individually keeps its own sound. They don't come together and mesh to form one sound. Each keeps its own sound, but follow this. In the midst of each letter's individuality, it still unites to form what? One word. And so as we look at the church, it's not God's intent that we give up our individuality, but that we allow our individuality along with another person's individuality, that diversity, to bring out his purpose. We're not all alike. Paul lists eight gifts, and we won't get into detail in all of these because I promise you coming down the pike in the coming weeks, we're going to be looking at it, especially as we get to chapter 14. We're going to look more extensively at these particular gifts. But as we look at it, we see the list here is representative. It's, it's not exhaustive. They're miraculous gifts categorized. They're informational, instructional gifts. 
their administrative gifts. But the point of emphasis is various ministries from various people carrying out the common work of the local church. I'm thankful for it, aren't you? I'm thankful for Chris and Sean and other men and women in our church that work with children because guess what? That boat has sailed with me. I love children. I love hanging with them, but about an hour, I will lose them quickly. I love them, but I can't keep them uh, controlled. I don't have that gift, all right? I'm thankful for Linda and Mary Emma, aren't you? I'm thankful for the music ministry. I'm thankful that we do it to the best of our abilities and for their organizational skills, for their gifts. I'm thankful for the people who teach capably Sunday school, for those who are sing solos in our church who are able to lead and worship those who sing in small groups. I'm thankful for individuals who can plan out and carry events, and I don't have to be involved in all of those details. I can say, have at it, because I trust and know they're gifted and they can do that. I'm thankful for those who work with teenagers who spend that time. Randy has done it for a number of years. JC did it uh, for my children when they were here. I'm thankful for those who bake and cook, aren't you? Man, I love Doris, uh, Millie, uh, Hazel, all of those. John and Renee have worked. Uh, we've had a number. I don't want to leave people off. You know you can cook, and I'm thankful. You don't want me in the kitchen, all right, unless I'm eating. I'm thankful for those who oversee our facilities. We walked in the building, and I noticed somebody brought to my attention that uh, the, the water was not working. You know what? I didn't have to stop right before I preached and figured out. I said, see, Jerry, he'll take care of it. Guess what? He took care of it. All right. The body working together. It's beautiful to consider the work of the church. Multiple gifts, multiple people, multiple ministries. I wonder today in what area might you be gifted? Bringing your unique gifts here in this church. Well, let's see finally the twofold purpose of giftedness. We see the one source, he is the Holy Spirit. The many gifts and ministries, those listed here are just representative. As I say, in a couple of weeks, as we get toward chapter 14, we're going to look extensively at some of these. But it follows the twofold purpose of these ministries, and hence, it's not about you nor me. I see really two purposes in Scripture that God gifts the church. One is to build up the church or to serve others. I love to read Aesop's fables from time to time. and, and They can be foolish sounding, but they bring out a simple point. And one that I read this past week uh, was the story of the viper and the carpenter shop. There was a viper or a snake that was hungry, and so he went into a carpenter shop, and he began to ask every single tool for food. And finally, he came to the file, and he said to the file, do you have food? And the file responded to the viper. He said, what a simpleton you must be if you think you can get anything from me because I invariably take from everything and never give anything in return. There were people in Corinth who were like the file. 
They were just scratching against the surface and rubbing away and taking away. They weren't bringing things into the church. And, and Paul is saying that's not the way the work of the church is. It's not that you come to try to file away or take away from that which is in the church, but you come to serve in the church. In fact, when someone joins our congregation, I have two questions that I ask myself first. God, why are they here? Are they here? How might we serve them? And how might they serve us? It's a both and thing. Notice verse 7. He says a manifestation, that is an outworking of the Spirit is given to each person. If you're saved, if you're in the church, you don't have to say, do I have a gift? You have it. You may need to find out what that is. But on the authority of God's word, it says it's given to each person for what? The common good. And so we see that first part of the purpose, the common good, to build up the church, to build up others. But the second is to lift up the Lord. You know, that's why we gather on Sundays, to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. He works in diverse giftings to bring glory to himself. One thing I noticed, and we're almost finished in verses 4 through 6, we see the Trinity. We see the Spirit, the Lord, which is the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 6, God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I don't understand the mystery of the Trinity. I believe it. I can't explain it fully to you. I accept it by faith. Everything I explain, I have to use a creation element as a point of reference. If I describe myself to you, to, to someone else, I may use another person. How can we describe God? He's greater than our minds can imagine. But he reveals himself to us in the Trinity three in one. And the beautiful thing is that unity and diversity. Think about the plan of salvation. God is the one who administers that. It is God who in his coordination will draw individuals and people to do that. It is Jesus who died to pay the price that it might happen. And as we've studied in Sunday school, it is the Holy Spirit who convinces and brings to convention, uh, conviction that someone needs to be saved. All three distinct elements of the single being, the Trinity, working together. That is an example to us as the church. And what is the result when a person is saved? By the way, that person is blessed, the benefit of the individual, and God is glorified. There was rejoicing in heaven. I think there were people who missed this in Corinth. There were individuals. He makes it clear here that God places the gifts and the people as he wills, verse 11. As he wills, it's his work. We can't do anything apart from the work of God in and through our lives. Early in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he used the metaphor of building. He talked about individuals who built with costly and precious metals, gold and silver, and then those who built with wood, hay, and stubble. He talked about how when the time of testing came, the first, those that were built with the precious stone, stood, but the wood, hay, and stubble gave way. What was the distinction? The distinction was this. In the first group, the foundation was laid, and that was the person and work of Jesus Christ. In the second group, it was all about them. 
they were doing it in and of themselves. You know, as we conclude this morning's message, I'm thankful when I leave this place, there's variety, aren't you? We were getting really, really bored quickly. I'm thankful that uh, when these lilies get past bloom, it won't be long before my crepe myrtle will go into bloom. And God works and orders all of creation. But I'm also thankful that God works that way in the church. I'm thankful that everybody uh, is not like me and doesn't like chicken pot pie. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that you have gifts that I don't have. I'm thankful you don't depend on me to fix a meal or even fix a vehicle. God takes diverse people, diverse ministry, diverse gifts to build up the church and strengthen it and to bring glory to Christ. I wonder today, how are you allowing God to work in your life, through your life, in ministry here? What gift might you have, a gift that you can bring to the table for him? One body, one spirit, many gifts, many persons, two purposes, bring glory to him, build up others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your sovereignty and your wisdom in bringing together the church. And Lord, as we come to you today, we know, Lord, that apart from you, we're nothing, that these gifts about which we have spoken are spiritual endowments to minister in this church and community to bring glory to God. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice. We thank you, Lord, for the workings of the Holy Trinity, all three distinct persons in one unified being, working to accomplish your purpose. Father, I pray for our church here that we would be your instrument of ministry in our part of the world. It will be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior,